Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Period, the podcast for people who want all things real, raw and reputable where we smash taboos and break down stigmas. I'm your host Isabella Gosling and today's episode is all about chronic illness and relationships. With it being Valentine's Day today, I thought it would be a nice timely little ep because it's a huge thing that plays into almost everybody who is living with a chronic illness, no matter if that's endo, adeno, PCOS or something else, like any chronic illness, it is a huge factor of people's lives, whether you're currently in a relationship or you're single or you're seeing somebody It's a huge thing that takes up a lot of brain space, I guess you could say. And there's a lot of things to navigate, consider. There's lots of thoughts and feelings. So I thought this episode would just sort of be like a little roundup of ways to sort of navigate a relationship when you are chronically ill and tips and tricks and hints and things that I've considered and learnt along the way and some of my experiences and I really hope that it's helpful for you, so let's get into it. So the first sort of component or aspect around relationships or romance with a chronic illness is that mental or self-esteem aspect, and it's a lot of mental anxieties or energies around like when you're dating somebody for the first time or even when you get diagnosed and you're seeing somebody already, um, will they want to be with me still who would want to be with me when I've got endo or why would they want to be with me when I'm so unwell all the time? And it's a lot of negative self-talk and those negative feelings and thoughts and that low self-esteem, but it's sort of coming back to the fact that you are worthy of love and you deserve to have a special connection and relationship with someone. Even if you are going through a horrible time with a chronic illness, you're still worthy of that love and that relationship and if the person you're with or the person you're seeing isn't supportive of that then they're they're not your person so it's sort of a blessing in disguise because you don't need to waste your time being with that person who's not going to love you and support you and be there for you because it might not feel like it and it might feel scary but somebody will be out there who will want to be with you and they won't care that you're chronically ill like they'll care obviously but it won't be a negative factor for them it'll just be part of you and it's just going to make a part of your relationship but it's not like an end game or a red flag or a deal breaker so That sort of leads into the next thing. If you are in that casual dating, like seeing online dating space and you're like, what do I do? I have endo or I have adeno, I have PCOS and I don't know when to tell this person or how to navigate it or what do I do? And I guess it's sort of like, how early do you tell them? You don't want to scare them off, but you do want to not lead them down the garden path, so to speak. So I sort of go with the tell them early on. So maybe you have a first date and it's really good. And then the second date, you might try and be like, look, I have endo, for example, and um, or I have endometriosis. So they know the full word. And have you ever heard of that before? Do you have any questions about that? Or did you want me to explain anything? And you can maybe explain a little bit of how that affects you. And then their response will show a lot about them. So 
if they're not really understanding or they're rude or awkward or they aren't really interested, it says more about them than it does about me and my illness, or it says more about them than it does about you and your illness. So it's all about, I guess, showing early on. And then that way you haven't wasted time with somebody who doesn't actually care to get to know you or accept you or love the parts of you that make up you because your chronic illness is a part of you. So if someone's not going to be accepting and helpful and wanting to ask questions and be interested, then you don't really want to waste time on that person if they're not keen. And like, yes, people might be awkward at first or not know how to navigate things, but you can sort of tell from their reaction how they're going to be. So are they actually interested and are asking questions, even though they might be feeling a bit awkward and uncomfortable, but it just goes to show like which way are they which way are they turning like are they keen and interested to know more or are they like "Mm, no not for me the next thing I guess you could sort of lean into especially if you're in that casual space and it's the whole like sex and intimacy chat and it's so different whether you're seeing somebody or if you're in a relationship long term and what that sort of looks like but there's obviously that air of like oh we're gonna have sex soon or like what's gonna happen here especially if you're dealing with things like vaginismus or pain with sex it's it can be really nerve-wracking and anxiety inducing because there is that sort of not expectation but it is that like thing because you might want to be intimate with a partner that you've just recently started seeing and how do you navigate that when you might be experiencing pain and especially with that new partner when you can't when you don't really have that rapport relationship trust and that time together where you really know each other well and you're in the start of the relationship and you might be trying to put you know that veil of who you are and you're trying to be the best version of yourself and I've been there like I used to try and like block it out when I was dealing with vaginismus and I'd just push through even if it was painful and I'd just sort of have sex as something that I'd get over and done with and then as soon as it was done I'd go to the bathroom and just cry because it was so painful but I was all about trying to make the person I was with happy and that's what they wanted and I'd just get it over and done with which is absolutely horrific to look back on now and I'm so sad that I used to do that but it's something that I've like learned from and I've grown from it, but it can be really hard to navigate. So being open and honest and upfront with your partner and say, look, I am dealing with vaginismus or sex can be painful for me and I'm trying to work through that. So talk about what you're doing to try and change this or help yourself. So if you're seeing a pelvic physio, mention that you're seeing a pelvic physio. If you're seeing a sexologist, mention that. If you're not seeing those people and you are experiencing those symptoms, please, I would encourage you to go and see those professionals because they can be so helpful and they can actually work with you to retrain your pelvic floor and hopefully alleviate those symptoms of vaginismus and relax and 
sexologists can be really helpful with that mental block as well. So work with those people and then take those tips and things that you learn from them when you are with your partner or the person that you're seeing into the bedroom. It can also be important to sort of not focus on that end goal. Like when I've interviewed Chantal Otten previously, she was like, sex is a menu and to focus on that whole experience, not just what is happening at the end. So maybe you're not up to going the full way and having penetration, or maybe you're just wanting to explore and see how it goes. So not putting that pressure on yourself because it's sort of just builds that anxiety and freaks you out a little bit when you don't even need to be freaking out because it should be something that's fun and enjoyable and you should be exploring and just talking with your partner and when you're in a new relationship or you're seeing someone it can be scary because you don't really know this person and you're still trying to figure each other out but again it says more about them than it does about you their reaction and do you really want to waste that time with someone who doesn't get it or doesn't want to put in the work to get it. All of these things sort of build into communication and trust and like a lot of these things come back to talking. So expressing what you're feeling, expressing what's going on for you, expressing how you're feeling, what you need, what you need in the bedroom, what's feeling good for you, what's not feeling good for you how you're feeling mentally. Are you feeling really like sad today? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you feeling stressed? Are you feeling anxious? Sharing those feelings because your partner doesn't know unless you're telling them. They can try and read your body language, but being really open and transparent and clear about how you're feeling can alleviate any confrontation or stress and being able to sort of communicate what you actually need. So, If you're flaring really badly and maybe you just need to lay down and you just say that, look, I'm really not feeling well, I really need to lay down. Or if you're over at their house and you're new to the relationship and you maybe you want to stay and hang out with them, but you're really not feeling well, you might be having tummy symptoms or you might just really need to go home and like have a bath and get into your comfy clothes and Just do what makes you feel good when you are flaring. Just say, look, I've had a really lovely time. I'm not feeling the greatest, so I am going to head home now, but like I'll talk with you later. And so just having that communication, it just comes back to that. So talking with your partner or that person you're seeing about how you're feeling and what you need, or if you are in that longer term relationship and you know you're going to flare or you know what happens when you flare, sort of having a mental plan or things that when you're not feeling well that your partner can sort of help with or do because typically speaking, when you aren't feeling well, your partner will want to help you. So having things they can do to help you easily is a game changer. So can they heat up a hot pack for you? Can they run you a bath? Can they cook dinner? Can they hang out the washing? And I know that contributes to that mental load, but just having those things that your partner can do to help. And then when they're not feeling good and maybe you're feeling better, you can switch it up. So so communication and just talking about these things and having that go-to plan and trusting that that person is going to be there for you when they need, when you need them and they need you. So 
it's a lot of scary things and you just have to have that belief and that self-confidence that that person is going to be there and there even if you're single at the moment there is somebody out there who is going to love you and want to be with you for you they won't care that you've got this chronic illness like endo or adeno or pcos and i guess the last thing is sort of having that flexibility so changing up those plans when you're not feeling the greatest and then staying at home together or maybe just going for a gentle walk instead of doing whatever you were going to do. Um, Just trying to be flexible and noticing that plans are going to change and having that partner be okay with that because I know a lot of chronic illness comes back to that guilt feeling and you feel so guilty for letting people down but trying to honor yourself and your needs is going to make you feel better in the long run so that when you are feeling better and you are well you can make the most of it so when you are having a good day trying to organize something fun to do with your partner or going and doing something they like to do or or trying something new when you're both together when you're feeling well so you could go out to a new restaurant or something that you like to do, like go for mini golf. So anything that when you're feeling well, make the most of it because you can feel guilty when you're not feeling well, that you sort of get caught up in that headspace and it's so negative and you just feel like you're wasting this person's time and things like that. But coming back to that place of that they want to be with you they know that you've got this illness and they know how it can affect your life because it can creep into every part of your life but they still love you regardless so I hope that these sort of tidbits or topics have been helpful I would love to know if there's anything else that you do to navigate your relationship or when you're seeing someone when you have a chronic illness and what you do if there's anything I've missed I would love if you could come and share it in our Facebook group so it's let's talk period community and I'll link it in the show notes but it's the place for people with endo adeno pcos or chronic illness to chat with others and connect with people who just get it And another little announcement, I have just organized online trivia for Endo Awareness Month. So if you want to come together with the LTP fam and celebrate Endo Awareness Month, plus have the option to win some incredible prizes, tickets are $10. So it's on Friday, the 4th of March at 7 p.m. AEST, so Australian Eastern Standard Time or Queensland Time. I would love to see you there and see who will be the LTP trivia champ. But if you did like this episode and you do want to support the show, if you could send it to a friend or a family member or someone who you think might enjoy the show, that would be fabulous. Or you could rate and review the show on Apple or follow the show on Spotify and leave a rating. Other than that, I will be back in your ears on Wednesday with a brand new interview episode with somebody who I can't wait to share with you. So I will catch you soon. Let's Talk Period is produced for educational purposes and the information, recommendations and topics talked about does not constitute medical advice or take into consideration your personal circumstances or medical history.